Welcome to episode three of the Hail Married podcast. I'm A Toads, and I'm joined by my husband, the Toads. We're going to make some hot takes on what we're seeing, as well as throw some Hail Mary shots downfield for listeners to love or hate. As usual, we're going to have some fun discussing UTSA Roadrunner football, as well as some of our other favorite college teams. Let's get started. The Runners pulled off a stunning come-from-behind victory against conference opponent Louisiana Tech this week. As Coach Trailer called it, it was the tale of two halves. In the first half, UTSA sputtered on offense, generating only 116 yards of total offense, throwing one interception, and scoring only six points from two field goals. They fell behind 19-6 to at halftime. A spirited halftime dressing down from Coach Trailer lit a fire under the Roadrunners, and as a result, we saw a different team in the second half. The offense was able to get the run game going with 143 yards rushing in the second half compared to only 45 yards rushing in the first half. All three touchdowns in the second half were rushing touchdowns from sophomore Sincere McCormick, tying a school record for individual rushing touchdowns in a single game. Sadly, Duplicis' field goal streak came to an end at 23 when a fumbled hold led to the kick being blocked. The defense held their side of the triangle of toughness in the second half, holding the Bulldogs' offense scoreless and allowing only 35 yards of offense. LaTeX's only points in the second half came off an interception thrown by Frank Harris in the third quarter. Overall, the defense allowed 247 yards of offense, a season low, and the fewest total yards allowed since the UIW game in August of 2019. An interception by Antonio Parks in the last two minutes of the game sealed the victory for UTSA. Yeah, this was an odd game because it, it there was so many timeouts at the beginning of the game that it just it just kind of felt like it, it stunted both UTSA and Louisiana Tech. So it it felt like the momentum was never there. I mean, yeah. you kind of we were there live, so um, you come, commented on that a few times. Like this this is taking forever. What's what's going on? Uh, what were your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, UTSA didn't come out with the energy that we've seen from them before. I mean, really, they haven't had the same en- energy at a start of a game um, since the Texas State game. But they came out kind of flat, and then Louisiana Tech was flat, and then there were all these timeouts, and it just made the, the game sort of drag um, in that first half. And so it was sort of odd. And again, there were, there are also moments where I felt like we'd been, you know, transported back to 2019 where we're, you know, having this like slug fest and, in you know, a battle of field goals again. And it just didn't feel like um, the UTSA that we've seen recently um, in the first game or in the first half of the game. Yeah. I mean, and I think um, coach trailer, you know, sort of mentioned that as much and you, you referenced it when you were going over the recap uh, it just, I don't know. It was excruciating. I'm sure people that are watching on TV, I saw some of the tweets coming out. It seemed like it was excruciating for them as well. So, um, you know, it, I think they did a good job in the second half of kind of cleaning things up and really, uh, you know, we'll kind of go into it a little bit later, but making this game, giving themselves an opportunity to win. Uh, and that's really all you can ask for, right? So, you know, when I was looking at the offense in particular, uh, you know, again, just like you mentioned, it sputtered. It was just, it didn't look like they could get in a rhythm. Um, you know, Frank just kind of seemed a little off. You know, Sincere had his moments, but it just seemed like the offensive line really wasn't able to uh, move the defensive line. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, Maka, 
I, I keep going back to him. He just seems to be the, the rock of the offensive line. I, I'm a little, again, concerned. I held my breath the last last week in, um, against Army when I told you I think he went down. And I was, you know, concerned because I, I think that uh, the success for the quarterbacks and the success for, you know, obviously for the other skill players comes from the fact that if they're able to be solid on the offensive line, then they can actually make some uh, progress there. But, um, you know, with that, obviously, Sincere was a workhorse. We saw him really getting those holes, taking those holes and going. I felt like in the first half, he danced around a little bit when um, he got into the, you know, into the field. But I felt like the second half, you had mentioned it a few times when we were watching it. He made his cut and he went. And it just felt like he was much more purposeful when he – got the ball and then decided where he was going to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I kind of talk about it a little bit later on, but um, Sincere, you know, came out in the second half and just looked like a different player. Um, He said, you know, Coach Trailer challenged him at halftime. And, you know, what was said to him really resonated because he came out and looked like a different player. He had a different level of energy. Um, and, you know, he seemed to just be playing smarter um, in the second half. And whether it was him or Coach Trailer, doesn't really matter. The fact is, it was just good to see these guys just out there having some fun. Um, it looked like they were, I wouldn't say practice, but just out there with their friends back in high school, back in wherever you want to be at, just having fun playing football. And, it was just—it was good to see, and it was great to see them finish that game uh, with the win. With that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the defense as well. Again, just like the offense, they were pushed around in the in the mm-hmm. first half. The, the defensive line was supposed to be um, sort of the juggernaut of this defense, and it looked like they had the upper hand. They were supposed to have the upper hand, I should say, um, against the La Tech offensive line. But throughout that first half, it did not look like it. I mean, it just seemed like a sort of an even battle. And it got me concerned because with the defensive line not able to create pressure on their own, it wasn't giving the other defenders any opportunities. And you saw them start getting picked off in the secondary. You saw um, really La Tech taking advantage of some things. But they just wouldn't break. Again, UTSA found a way to just solidify itself. And when it got down to the uh, red zone, wouldn't allow anything from LaTeX. But you did also did say earlier, LaTeX kind of sputtered. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a, a lot of discussion before the game about the injuries that LaTeX has had at the offensive line. So I think my um, impression or my belief going into the game was going to be that our defense was really going to dominate. Um, and they did a good job keeping them to field goals but they didn't seem to dominate to the level I was expecting. You know, you just kind of think about when you hear these things like, oh, there's a lot of injuries at the offensive line for La Tech. That's been a weakness for them. They've had issues with pass protection. So you expect UTSA's defense, which has been playing so well, to just really kind of, you know, come in and dominate. And while they held them at key moments, they didn't seem to really, you know, just kind of, push them to the next level and and dominate in the way that I expected. And then in the second half, it seemed like, you know, maybe, you know, their offensive line for La Tech really started to get tired. Um, And we started to see some of those opportunities that I expected to see early on in the game come to fruition, you know, in the second half. 
No, I agree. I, I think they finally, in the second half, again, the team woke up. Uh, you made this great quote at the game when we were together. Was, you're like, oh, it's like they don't realize the game's at 7 o'clock. It's not an early game like it was before. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of what you would expect to see for those, you know, early games, you know, where it's like, oh, I haven't quite woken up yet. It's like, man, it's 7 o'clock. Like, you're supposed to be, you know, well awake, <laughs> prepared, excited for this game. Like, you're supposed to come out with some energy. You know, even um, in one of the um, interviews that Lenny did earlier in the week, like he was talking about how excited he was that they had an evening game because they're going to have more rest and they would come in, you know, differently. And it just didn't just didn't happen. Maybe they just stayed in that slumber, but you know, <laughs> that, that defensive line. They really took could. a nap, yeah. you know, and they just didn't quite wake up from the nap, I guess. Yeah. And the defensive line really, I thought, did great in the second half. They, they dominated the line like they're supposed to again. Maybe it's because they wore down the offensive line. You started seeing some offensive linemen for La Tech go down. So, you know, maybe it's some of that. Uh, maybe it was something else. But I, I thought that the linebackers in the corners then benefited from that because then we really shut them down the second half. Before I get there, though, I did want to mention I liked – there was a move, but I think it was DeAdrian Taylor in the first half. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on this. It could be second half as well. Um, but the La Tech quarterback kind of scrambled out to the, his left side and DeAdrian was coming in and as the quarterback let go of the ball, DeAdrian let up. And so he ended up just kind of bumping him a little bit. Mm -hmm. He could have really smacked the quarterback, but I thought, it, and it really was, I think it was the second drive of the game. All it could have, what could have happened was I think in 2019, we smack him, we get that penalty flag. And then that started steam, you know, the roll down the hill of, you mm -hmm. know, mediocrity starts happening and we go back into this despair. Um, but that's not what happened. You know, he let up and I thought that was just smart football from a young player. Again, you know, we're seeing the young players start playing a little bit smarter, uh, even though lackluster energy, they played smart there. Again, and then I saw the linebackers, you know, one of the things we had seen against Middle Tennessee which was the uh, third game of the season, I saw that they were having problems um, covering some of the running backs as they came out. Like, you'd see a running back go out in, in motion out to the, you know, by the wide receivers, and nobody went with them. They would mm -hmm. just kind of look at him and be like, that's not my read, or that's not who I'm supposed to go to. In this game, I noticed, especially late in the game, they were going with those running backs, and they showed coverage there, which even if they blitz, they were there. So progress. You see them starting to either – whether it's because they're getting in better shape, whatever it is, um, they were really getting they were getting to their responsibility, and that was the biggest thing for me. And the secondary, though, I'm going to put it down right now. Corey Mayfield has like, teased the last couple games where he's broken on a ball, mm -hmm. and whether he's broken, he's on a pass breakup, or he's just kind of dropped the ball as he breaks on the on a bad pass out to the um, to sidelines. He is going to have a pick six because yeah. he's just teasing it over and over. And I, I just I keep so jumping close. up. Yeah. <laughs> we so were, close. It was there on our sideline because uh, we sit on the visitor side. So we saw him and I thought that was it. That was it. You know, we needed the turnover. We needed something. And um, it was the honestly, it was the secondary that caused those turnovers. Rashad um, caused the, you know, fumble. Antonio Parsons ended up recovering it. And of course, Antonio has a big interception. Uh, you know, I, I heard his interview afterwards and he said, coach sent me on a, on a blitz. And so I was going and it really seemed like two guys took him on, which was weird. Mm -hmm. I was like, why are you, why are two offensive linemen taking on the uh, safety? 
but whatever, you know, we're not here to talk about law tech. We're here mm-hmm. to talk about UTSA and what they did well. And he was the right place at the right time. I mean, yep. um, you bobbled know, it a little bit, but he's able to pull it in yeah. at the end. Thank God. <laughs> we couldn't see it. I mean, I really <laughs> thought that ball was going to fall down and it's going to go, oh, we're going to, we're going to have to suffer through a few more downs, but mm-hmm. what a call from, um, I even tweeted it out. What a call from Nick's sending all the, you know, he blitz, I think five, he sent five there. So, you know, you had the three defensive linemen, he sent two extra, and it was really, it looked like the potentially two secondary guys. They got to the quarterback, which is a new quarterback, Allen. What a tough spot. I, I just got to say for him, what a tough spot to have to come in late in a game and have to try to lead your team down the field for a potentially game time field goal. That was a tough spot, but you know what? We've been there before. We didn't have to. We were the ones that were actually going to have to be attacking him. So, um, I thought that was great from the defense again. And then special teams, you mentioned uh, Hunter's streak ending. It's disheartening. However, I will say this. Um, We could see Dean kind of going over to, and I can't remember the special teams. uh, Perry. Perry. Thank you. Coach Perry. Coach Perry uh, was talking to both of them very calmly. And Dean, you could tell was saying immediately that he bobbled the ball and he Mm -hmm. started going forward. So it wasn't Hunter's fault. And that was such a great moment because I felt like there again, just like we talked about, you know, some of this culture stuff, there he was taking accountability. And it maybe, you know, I'm reading too much into it, but it felt like there's a young guy saying, I messed up. That's why he failed. And you just haven't really seen a lot of that from, yeah. you know, the past, you know, versions of the UTSA Rotor and football team. And it just, it was really good to see, and it's. I think it's encouraging for all of us. Yeah. The other thing that I didn't notice until I, I watched a replay was, you know, once that um, field goal was blocked, um, one of our linemen got the ball and was trying to, you know, run yeah, with the ball. Really. And, like, I mean, obviously it was too far to, you know, get a first down. But, you know, just to see that they were, like, they didn't, give up on the play when it was blocked. Like they were trying to make something out of nothing. I mean, again, I think that really just shows a difference in the 2020 team compared to the 2019 team. Totally agree. With all that said, what did we learn from the game? Well, the first thing we learned, I I felt was that when UTSA plays with no energy, their flaws are exposed. And you really can say that for any team. It's just kind of sort of a general statement. Uh, But you, you felt like, at least I did, after six games, it's hard to keep that energy level. And we kind of talked about it a little bit over the last couple, our first two podcast episodes where, you know, it's 12 straight games. It's not an ideal schedule. And to have that amount of energy for 12 straight weeks, we were bound to come out flat in one game. It was a little surprising Mm -hmm. that it was this, uh, this game, but lesson learned. You know, we came out and we're now four and three, but you know, with that first half, you could see the tackling. You could see that it just seemed like it was worse. The play execution just looked – it just wasn't there. And so, um, you know, I still feel like UTSA is playing better than their actual talent level, and that it's not a knock on them. It's just when you play with a lot of effort, mm-hmm. it tends to hide a lot of your flaws, uh, at least in my opinion, that um, that otherwise would be exposed. So – you know, I think LaTeX got away with some things. You mentioned um, in our recap that they had about 200 yards in the first half. Yeah. But then the second half, there was 30 yards on the defense gave up. And it wasn't – and so I'm nerdy. And so I was listening to the game 
um, via the Ticket 760 on the iHeartRadio app. And I'm listening to it, and they said, at one point, UTSA has only given up 14 yards in the second half, and I just couldn't believe it. And then offense had had the ball for like 12 and a half minutes in the third quarter. And it wasn't until we actually went back and kind of gone, went through some of what we recorded the game uh, we realized, wow, this did happen, but it was just, like you said, a totally different team in the second half. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge again for trailer is going to be, how do you get your team to start the game with that same level of energy? Because not every game are you going to be able to mount a comeback like you did. Um, so how do we get that energy that we started the Texas state game with in all of our games going forward? Yeah, no, and, and that's a challenge, I think, for just about every single coach. But especially for him, you see that at least in this game, we were able to overcome that. We came out with better energy and we were able to win the game. However, you know, you see everybody's sort of horror when they, they're seeing what's taking place and they're comparing it to our previous versions of our teams, uh, especially in the last few years where if we didn't play with energy right away, it just snowballed. And all of a sudden, right. before you knew it, we were down 40 to zero and game's over. Like, and our favorite thing that we like to talk about is that flag's been taken. Yeah. You know, come and take it, but it's already been taken. They're already doing the fourth, the fourth quarter celebration for us. Like it's just. Yeah. It, it, I felt like, again, there were times in this game where I felt like we were back in 2019 or 2018. And, and when we got the come and take it flag out at the fourth quarter, I was like, Oh, I don't, you know, did they already take it? Is it gone? Why are we doing this now? <laughs> um, but I was wrong, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad that I was wrong. Um, but again, you know, that's you don't ever want to put yourself in a situation where you have to play from behind. You know, you want to have that same level of energy. You want the game to be close if you are coming from behind, um, because that deficit, you know, could have been too much um, had the defense not played as well as they did. And, you know, really good teams, maybe like a UAB, I would take him out flat against UTSA, but they were able to still control the game and mm -hmm. essentially win the game. UTSA isn't there yet. And Trailer, we, we love to listen to the interviews from Trailer, from some of the players, from, you know, Lunny and Knicks. And, uh, you know, they understand that. I think they get the fact that we're not there yet. We're still learning how to win. Um, and I just think that fans are going to have to notice that, that, this is what's going on. Like this, we talk about trust the process, which I hate. I, I, I'm just not a trust the process guy, uh, but I understand that there's got to be a way of learning um, to get to a certain level. With that, I did want to talk about now trailer because I feel like he has a really good pulse on these players. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting to hear him talk about how it's the first time he's gotten upset with the players. You mentioned there was a dressing down in there, but he yeah. came out in the post game interview and said, you know, this is the first time I've really got it get after them and they responded. I thought it was interesting because it just seemed like, you know, I know coaches and leaders tend to like think that yelling at someone is going to motivate them, but he had a pulse on what this team needs and what that team needed last night was for them to be yelled at and essentially be told you're not playing or what you're up to. Obviously I'm making up words of what he did, but it just, or what he said, but it, that's essentially what he was getting after them for. And there had to have been a lot of hand gestures if he was able to break his bracelet that had been given to him by, was it Julan Williams? I think he yeah, said he gave it to him. So. so 
I mean, I, I can only imagine, you know, what he was doing and how he was saying these things, but it had to have been pretty, um, pretty animated. And, you know, really, I'll just say this about trailer. I think the thing that really is winning me over with him is just the fact that he understands what it's going to take to build the program. It's, it's things that we haven't really heard from Wilson. We didn't really hear from Coker. So, you know, I really feel this is sort of a different UTSA roadrunner football in, in so many more ways than I think we can imagine this. Um, I know we've said it before and talked about trailer and, and talked about some of the things he's done, but I just think he's the right leader for this program and we found him at the right time. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that trailer and the other coaches, I mean, both Lenny and, and Nick's have said is that their goal really for this year was to instill a culture in the team. And for the first time, you're really hearing that from the players as well. Um, in the post-practice workout session earlier this week, um, you heard Kalechi talk about our culture and talk about what the um, what the coaches are trying to build and crediting the coaches and crediting that culture with really building a more cohesive team. I mean, I thought it was really interesting to hear him talk about, you know, last year there were times where players were selfish. They were looking out for individual playing time. They were getting upset when they weren't getting reps. And now those same players understand why they're not getting reps. They're cheering yes. other players on. Um, and to hear a young player, you know, talking about the culture and being able to, you know, really reiterate the things that you hear from the coaches is refreshing because a lot of times, you know, you hear these coaches talk about things and what they're trying to do and you don't necessarily hear it articulated in the same way from the players, particularly young players, you know, I'd expect it more from a senior, but to hear someone, you know, like Kalechi talking about what's being instilled and his belief in the process. And then you fast forward and you hear sincere McCormick in the post game um, press conference say, you know, I told coach trailer, I got you, you know, I love that guy. I'd run through a wall for him. I mean, you see all of that, um, discussion about culture and everything that they've instilled really being translated to success on the field. Well, I think it comes back to trailer, just having a plan for it and, and essentially branding it something. Mm -hmm. I think under Wilson and Coker, there was, there was a culture, but they never branded it as anything. It, mm -hmm. And you have essentially trailer come in and say, talk about the triangle of toughness and talk about the two one Oh guys. And it just means something. Like it, it's something for these guys to shoot it's tangible. For. Yeah. We, we talked about it. Uh, I think the first episode that we did, um, maybe it was the second one, but it's, it's so important and you, you start seeing it now, but I, I'm with you. I thought the Kalechi, him bringing it up and the way he did it, he was, um, he's incredibly, uh, just well-spoken when he mm -hmm. said it and he, it didn't look rehearsed and anything looked genuine. And right. it just feels like, again, this is a different team. This, this team may not be the best UTSA team. This may not be, uh, you know, an incredibly talented team. But these guys look at each other like family. And, you know, again, I, I know people hate the Pillow Killers, you know, <laughs> that name. Um, but to see those guys just jumping around, I took video of it because I, I just thought it was just so fun to see right before kickoff, them just jumping around. I will say, though, I, and I, we were watching the end of the game. We just happened to see it um, after we had recorded it. 
and we were watching it this afternoon and we noticed at the very end as the team is going to uh stand in front of the band for the singing of the alma mater trailer comes up to kevin davis and says something to him he like kind of barks at him but he's kind of smiling mm -hmm. and davis just kind of smiles back at him and says something back to him and then maka comes up and just kind of knocks you know just bumps into a uh, trailer and they're just like they're so excited but it's like it was almost like you you're going up there and kind of talking to either your favorite uncle like your your favorite like uh relative like it it just it just looks different than from what right. we saw before with wilson and coker like it just you you can see that they truly do, do love this guy Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Frank Harris. Um, in his post-game press conference, he said that he played terribly. Um, and while I think everyone can agree this certainly wasn't his best game, I wouldn't characterize his game as terrible. So what were your thoughts on, on Harris during this game? I've been hard on Frank, uh, especially the first two episodes. I, you know, I've been saying, you know, I don't know if he's the right guy. And, and I don't know if he is, really. Because right now, I think some of the problems or the biggest problems he's having in terms of taking hits, you know, in terms of his, his passing decisions, it's something that I I believe it was Sincere that said last week. Maybe he said it before that. I don't remember. But Sincere had talked about the game slowing down for him. And so now he's kind of seeing things and, and things are happening. It feels like the same way with Harris. You know, we forget he hasn't played that many games. And that's why I've been hard on him because he's still – he hasn't played this deep into October since his senior year in high school. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, as mind blowing as that can be, and we forget that, and I forget that, you know, I, I just see that there's just a difference when Lowell's out there and when uh, Josh Atkins was out there. They seem to have just this calmness when they were um, taking the snap. They, they didn't seem to be like fidgety or anything. They just let the game come to them. And that was something that Lowell has progressed in from last year. He didn't do that last year, but yeah. this year, I think the reason we were seeing an improvement from him is because it has slowed down for him. Frank's not there yet. You know, hopefully he does. The problem is now he's a junior, so he's en entering his last couple of years of his football career, at least at UTSA. And, you know, hopefully he progresses. But I still think that his best role with the team uh, is something we talked about the first uh, episode, which was – Going back to our Iowa State reference that you had, which is Kyle Kemp, mm -hmm. kind of playing that leader role, coming off the bench if needed, but really putting someone else out there and them being the catalyst for the offense. To problem is, there's no one else right now. <laughs> no, there isn't. There isn't. It, that was interesting too. As as you know, UTSA Twitter is hilarious. Um, you can caught up just going, "Oh my god, I can't believe somebody actually typed that and put it out there," but they do, and that's fine. Um, but the thought that, hey, let's let's just take out Frank, he's not 100%. Problem is that Frank, I don't think, is ever going to be 100% unless it's the first game of the year. After that, every I think every player is not going to be 100%, but Frank's not 100% is like somebody else's 90 Like well, Actually, I should say lower, probably 60% or something. He, You did see him struggling. You did see him you know, having Grimacing problems. on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, a lot of that was the offensive line a few times – you know, he took some sacks, but they were not needed because all he had to do is be patient. Um, one of our friends, Lopez, kept, you know, saying, oh, they just keep throwing sideline passes. I'm like, well, yeah, because that's what that's what he's comfortable with. He has problems, I think, seeing the middle of the field unless it's like his tight end, like Gavin Sharp mm -hmm. or somebody just planting themselves within a zone 
just playing themselves there. There was a few times where I saw Six Jones get behind the linebackers and Lowell tries to make that throw. Josh Adkins makes that throw. Um, just in that limited time that we've seen. But, you know, he's struggling. I get it. But as long as he stays upright and we can get some of these quarterbacks yeah. <laughs> to return, we at least have some depth. Um, but, yeah, he wasn't great, but it was fine. He made the plays when we needed it. That's all that matters. Yeah. All right, let's talk real quick about Ty Key. Um, this was his first game with significant playing time. Apparently he played a couple of snaps in the Army, but, you know, didn't have any catches. Um, and he had some – he really had a huge game. He had four receptions for 96 yards. I don't really know what to say too much about Taiki, um, except that he has the top gun move, which is I'm going to hit the brakes and let him fly right by. Cause that was what he did over and over right. uh, on the um, law tech defenders, you know, he, and that's how he got loose. Um, of course, the problem is that he stumbles afterwards <laughs> and he can't keep going. Like you just kind of hope like he could stay on his, you know, keep his feet under him and then just take off, you it, know, it was, it was kind of like a, like Bambi, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it just got born, you know, the little deer just born, you know, they just kind of stumble across. It exactly was like that. And so, I mean, obviously the first time he's had a lot of playing time. So, you know, maybe he's going to adjust after this, but uh, I just thought it was funny that, um, you know, we would see that he kind of struggled, but you know what? It, he made it through. So that was, that was terrific for him. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we see him kind of be integrated with the rest of the wide receivers. It felt like there was a little more attention his way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because of Frank trying to get him involved. And really, I think it would, was more that uh, there was a more mismatch um, with Taiki. Uh, that long pass, that 54 yarder that led to um, the second sincere uh, touchdown, the ball was underthrown, but he played it well because he read that it was underthrown. Mm-hmm. And he came back for it. Lowell, I think, throws it out in front of Taiki. Maybe overthrows him. But at the very least, um, you know, it's out there for him. Frank, you could tell, just struggled to get that ball out there. Whether it's he's still having problems down low, whatever. He got it out there, underthrew it. Taiki made a play. That's all that really matters. So, Well, we were talking during the game. Um, you know, I love trailers kind of goofy nicknames for guys and so you know i said to you said to you during the game man i wonder what uh Tyke's nickname was i was kind of hoping it was going to be some crazy play off of you know cereal because his last name's kellogg but turns out his nickname is potential um so you know that sort of led into trailer kind of talking about you know Tyke having potential um and then he made a comment which goes back to trailer but um wanted to make sure he mentioned it um he said potential is what we're not we're getting closer to being what everybody thinks we should be um and so i really thought that was a great comment from trailer and again kind of goes back to our um comments on you know just seeing the culture and seeing what um utsa hopefully will become in the next few years under trailer i'm with you though i was a little disappointed i really felt like there was here was an opportunity to play off kellogg and maybe have that serial name like i don't know i don't know and and we could be wrong right here but like a little frosted flakes or something that yeah like tony the tiger or something like i don't know yeah so (laughs) trailer if you're listening you need to work on that nickname give him a nickname other than potential All right, so let's talk about um, who is our offensive player of the game. I don't. I mean, again, I could just give this to Maka all the time. I think I'm gonna make. I think I might get a, a Maka jersey. Um, 
You definitely uh, should. Because <laughs> uh, I think in all three of these podcasts now, I, I've talked about my love for, for him. But um, but no, I, I it's definitely Sincere. I, I think Sincere is a workhorse. I think, again, he came out, he played still pretty well, I think, in the, in the first half. But in the second half, like you said, he was a different player, and he was what we needed at the time. He carried us, and I know that that seems like a play on words, but he got us to to where we needed to be. So. Yeah, I mean, he scored all three of our touchdowns, so I, absolutely, he, he was just an absolute workhorse. And I, I don't know that there's you know much more you can say about him that just everybody just feel loves sincere, and and you know, like I told you before, he's just there's just this quietness about him where he's just goes gets the job done and then it's almost like he shrugs it off last night they talked about hey did you know that you had touched the ball like 30 you know you tied a career uh, the UTSA career record of 37 carries or something like that and he's like no nah, I didn't I, I had no idea mm-hmm. it was like again I would just say it was something that trailer would probably retweet and say hashtag selfless right uh, so yeah, I, I, I think he was—he's definitely the player of the game for offense. All right, on the defensive side, who is your player of the game? The defensive side, I, I got to tell you, um, I was having problems trying to come up with somebody because I felt like the defense overall played well. Um, you could make a case for Rashad, um, but I really felt it was Antonio Parks. Uh, you know, and the reason I really felt that way is because I, he's had such great progress from me thinking. Man, this guy just cannot be on the on the field. He is really going to cost this defense um, at at bad moments. But here he is getting that you know game winning interception. So uh, you know, kudos Antonio. I, I think he's he's played well. He's he's had had a hand in both of those turnovers. Um, I, I don't know that there's a lot to say more about him, but you know, I will say I hope he continues to progress because if he does. This UTSA defense is just going to look outstanding. Uh, Tyro Nix, you've got some – you may not have all the talent that you want, but you have the right guys at the right time, and they're going to do something pretty special. Definitely. All right, before we go, let's talk a little bit about UTSA's men's basketball. Um, they just started practice again recently. Um, while we haven't seen what the schedule is going to look like just yet, uh, Conference USA did announce that they are changing the scheduling for this season in response to COVID. Uh, the schools are going to play two uh, games per visit at four Conference USA schools, and then we'll host four Conference USA teams for a two-game series. So they'll play um, one school twice at home and then um, twice away. Um, And while UTSA hasn't announced their non-conference schedule, we did hear from um, Coach Henson that that was still a work in progress. Sounds like they're trying to shuffle contracts and games around still. Um, However, Oklahoma did announce that they are opening their season at home against UTSA on November 25th. So it sounds like UTSA's opener will be at Oklahoma November 25th, um, but hopefully we'll know more shortly about what the schedule is going to be like. Um, the other thing we haven't really heard is what does the game day experience look like for men's basketball? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you kind of mentioned it uh, off the podcast uh, before we recorded that, you know, it, it's probably easier to spread out at the, <laughs> the convocation center because we don't have quite as many people showing up there. But uh, I know the two of us like to go out there and you know watch the men's games. Um, 
so, you know, I think having two of the transfers be able to play immediately um, is going to bring a little bit more excitement for UTSA. Uh, and so it is going to be crucial for them to kind of figure out what does that game day experience look like? How do we continue to be essentially have fans show yeah. up? Uh, and, and really with this so much uncertainty going on with Javon Jackson, like potentially maybe he comes back for another year. This is the last time we might see him as a UTSA roadrunner if he doesn't decide to come back. So it, I think it would suck if nobody was able to go and, and see him play uh, yeah. as a UTSA roadrunner. Um, I'm really year. hoping they'll, they'll do something like maybe um, instead of having general admission, they'll just, you know, assign seats or something like that. But, you know, I think, given the amount of people that have been coming to the games, you know, hopefully we'll be able to spread out, see them play um, and, and hopefully see the success that we were all expecting to see last yeah. year. All right. Well, that um, wraps it up for our third podcast. Um, next week, the runners will face FAU on the road. Um, hopefully we will be joining you again next week, talking about another conference win. Um, thanks for joining us uh, for the Hail Married podcast. I'm Atos. I'm the Toes. We'll see you next week.